0: And that was really pivotal to speak my truth and realize that I have the confidence, I'll figure it out to take care of whatever consequence there are with that, you know, with that decision. Welcome to
1: season four of Confident with me, Sherry West, and my fearless daughter, Olivia. This season, we'll be talking with some fierce female leaders about things we really care about including the gender gap and social justice. We hope that these conversations spark your passion and sense of agency to
2: affect positive change. Are you ready? Episode 13: Things We Care About: Closing the STEM Gender Gap. Welcome, welcome everyone.
1: Okay, Liv, let's go. This is our last podcast episode for 2022. Woohoo! It's been a, it's been an amazing year.
2: The time has flown by. And
1: I just I love reflecting and looking at you continuing to to grow as a into your confident inclusive self. Um, but we're running so fast; it's important to pause and take a step back and really look at how far you've come. So yeah. wh- let's talk about some favorite memories from twenty twenty two. Yeah, what was yours? Well, definitely when we got to see Michelle
2: Obama, our yeah. first lady, mm-hmm. on her book tour in Philly. That was amazing. That was absolutely incredible. She's just so. Charismatic and so like authentic it's incredible to see her speak. And I think she gives us all the hope Mm -hmm. that that we need. Even though she's not running, she (laughs) said she's not running, she made that very clear.
1: (laughs) Even though the crowd was chanting and cheering, (laughs) she still
2: does give us hope.
1: No, but she gives, she gives us the hope and she lifts us up and, and she propels us forward and, and I would say the culmination of the great the favorite memory was seeing Michelle on the book Mm. tour and then just a few weeks later being in the same room as President Obama at the Sandy Hook Promise Gala which was a very double double Obama (laughs) I am complete I can rest now and I'm ready to to turn the corner and start a new year um but that was a somber event but again talk about hope President Obama always has the right words and um so yeah, that was definitely just such a uplifting, fulfilling me- memory for me. Yeah, that's incredible. Anything else from
2: you? You've successfully th- through your second half way through your second yeah, half? Yeah, I know it's crazy. No, I mean I just think in general I've been able to find such a community at Penn, and it's just every day that I'm there and that I'm with the people that I love and doing the things that I love. Like I'm grateful for that. So. And speaking of community, we have so many phenomenal women in the liberal community, and
1: we're going to be interviewing one today. So let's get into that interview.
2: Helen Benucci is an MIT-trained engineer with over 25 years on the front lines at top tech companies, including Apple, Sun Microsystems, IBM, and Microsoft. She hosts the Love Your Team podcast and is now the best-selling author of the Love Your Team book released last month. Welcome to Confident, Helen. Thank you so much. It is so great
0: to be here. And congratulations on publishing your book. (laughs) Thank you as well on that. Yeah, it's a, writing a book is a heavy lift for sure.
1: And what a big accomplishment.
0: Yeah, it is. It feels really great to have it out there in the world. And in particular, I've been really um, thrilled with the reception I've gotten. Awesome. And I, we're going
1: to get into a little bit about your book in a minute. But sure, we have a standard question we love to ask our guests, um, which is thought provoking in the age of digital natives. Um, tell us something that Google doesn't know about you.
0: Yes, that's a great question. Well, I've helped a number of women get into high tech. So people who didn't have a traditional tech resume or maybe even weren't a college graduate uh, getting into the you know high tech companies that I've worked for. And uh, so I'm proud of that. That's amazing. It's awesome.
1: inspiring
0: because we need to
1: do more mm-hmm. to close the STEM gender gap. So yeah. to know that there's high powered women like you out there pulling up the chair for, for yeah. the next generation is incredible.
2: It's important to open that door, but then also keep that door open for further women to follow you. So I think that's awesome. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And and it's also really critical, I think, to focus on how skills are transferable. So mm-hmm. people who have done things, they may not be in tech, but super transferable skills and You know, just a lot of skills in tech can be learned. Uh, So, yeah, I feel good about it. That's awesome.
2: So um, to get to know you a little bit more, what was your most career defining moment?
0: Yeah, that's a good one, too. So I started out my career as an engineer and I was offered a job. I wanted to transition into a customer focused role to help customers use technology. Uh, so, I got a job offer uh, in Los Angeles uh, working for IBM. I was with IBM in Silicon Valley in an engineering role. And I accepted a job uh, to move to Los Angeles and, and uh, start a marketing role. And I went down to Los Angeles and I was looking for places to live. And I came back and I was really stressed and unhappy. And a friend of mine said, Well, you know, you don't have to move to Los Angeles because that was the thing that I was like, I realized I didn't want to move. And yet I had accepted the job on those terms. And so I called my boss and I said, you know what? I am, I'm not going to, I can't move to Los Angeles. It's not going to work for me. And I didn't know if that meant I got fired. um, And I was out on the street. I was, um, it was my, you know, like I was 23, 24 years old at the time. And that was really pivotal to speak my truth and realize that I have the confidence, I'll figure it out to take care of whatever consequence there are with that, you know, with that decision. And it turned out that my boss uh, said, okay, well, let's figure out how you can work remotely and, you know, come down to Los Angeles, um, At least once a month and continue to do the job that we offered you. So that I am so grateful for that manager to have that kind of open mind and flexibility. And this was a lot of years ago, but that was me speaking up for myself and speaking my truth, I think was pivotal for me early in my career.
1: I I love the story too, because it's like a foundational experience that you, that you realize that if you advocate for yourself, and you ask for something, the worst that can happen is no. But guess what? In your case, they said, sure, no problem. And so that is really an eye-opening, confidence-boosting experience where you realize, hey, I I need to speak up more to craft and curate a career that works for me, right? It should be both ways. It works for the employer, but it also works for, for you as an individual. So I love that story. And by the way, like, I mean, you were working remotely decades before yeah. the pandemic. And we're going to be talking about in a minute about how now you've really developed some expertise that you're able to pay it forward with everyone who's trying to navigate and adjust to either a hybrid or a remote work
0: environment um, coming out of the pandemic. So that, that's that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's <laughs> very cool. Yeah, absolutely. And it was also an ethical question for me because I had accepted the job. And so I reneged And that was also kind of a, I struggled with that. And, but honestly, I, it was the best choice not to move to Los Angeles. And I was fortunate with the outcome. Yeah, I love that. So,
2: ladies, always speak up. Yeah, seriously, know your value.
1: And let's just talk more about kind of your career in tech as an MIT trained woman in tech. What's your advice to younger women who may be considering a career in STEM? And you started out this interview by saying that a lot of tech skills can be, can be taught. And I I want you to tell us what you mean by that, because I think tech is so intimidating for a lot of women. So tell us more about what your advice is for younger women and and possibly pursuing careers in STEM.
0: Yeah. So get curious about technology, math, the sciences, because I think the more you understand and have that foundation, the easier it is to get into a technology field. The other truth of that, the other reality is that every company on the planet has to be a tech company in order to survive so you look at a big i don't know manufacturing company like honeywell they're now reimagining themselves as a software industrial company retailers have to be a tech company to, you know, do the omni-channel where your experience online is the same as experience in the store and they know you as a customer. So think more broadly also about what it means to be in tech. Tech doesn't have to be, or have to mean that you're working for Microsoft or you're working for Google. There's a lot of jobs that, where you can pick up skills, that relate to operational expertise, um, kind of execute, like I, I used to run an executive briefing center for Sun Microsystems. And that was all about people, customers coming in, hosting a great briefing, setting agendas through my briefing staff. Um, I had a woman that ran up operations and so she made sure catering was taken care of through our catering staff and whatnot so there's a lot of elements and pieces that can be transferable and so I'd say think more broadly
1: yeah no that's great that's that's great yeah. advice I mean that thinking more broadly can be applied in so many different ways but but yet we are so far behind in terms of the gender gap in stem so what what from your perspective as a senior woman in the tech space, like what, yeah. what, what are your thoughts on, what do we need to do to close that gap? And we've got some phenomenal yeah. efforts through Girls Who Code and Black Girls Who Code, but but yet there's still just that gap of whatever 20% of you know, tech leaders are are women.
0: Yeah, so there's multiple answers in that question. One is we're seeing more and more, um, a higher percentage of women graduating with tech degrees from, for example, at MIT, my alma mater, when I went there, it was 20% women. Now it's about 50% of the student body is women. So that's really great. The other thing, companies need to really look at where the, Pool of talented women are. There is a tendency with large corporations to go to the Ivy League or the top tech schools, and they ignore or don't have a recruiting program to tier two two or tier three schools. And I know there's a ton of excellent women uh, graduates and women of color. Um, And, uh, you know, we've got to have a diverse work. Force if we're going to be able to service um, and sell our products and services to a diverse worldwide population. And so I think uh, companies need to be more diligent about connecting where women are. Secondly, there's got to be an effort within companies to promote women because for every hundred men that get promoted to that first management job, only 87 Get women get promoted. And so the first rung on that ladder is broken, and there's a disparity. So be more diligent about giving women an opportunity to get into a management role. And then thirdly, tech companies, and I would say companies in general, need to um, make their job descriptions more just like focus on the vital few things that you think you really need to communicate because women tend to if they don't hit every criteria they tend not to apply and so we've at Microsoft we have lightened up our requirements for a job role to make just the vital few so we're not we're not screening out candidates but screening them in so people mm-hmm. feel free to apply.
1: Hmm. Such a great perspective. Yeah, couldn't agree yeah. more. And the, the mentorship and the sponsorship mm-hmm. are so critical for young female professionals. Um, so I, I couldn't agree with you more. Yeah, yep. that was
2: yeah, that was a very extensive and awesome list of um things that we can all do to help with that. So congrats on the success of your book, as we mentioned. Um, and also um on your podcast, Love Your Team. Could you tell us about like an aha moment that you've had in your research on retaining top talent and building these high-performing teams.
0: Yes, I was stunned to learn that 70% of millennials have a side hustle.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, they
0: have. They're building a separate company on the side, or they're Uber drivers. I was stunned. That is a huge percentage, and I think it speaks to um, agent. P- Younger people really are wanting and focusing on agency and career self-reliance, being the CEO of their own life and knowing that, you know, the work is not a straight line and how one um, decides to spend their time work-wise can be very fluid. And so they're creating new opportunities for themselves and building new skills. And that was just a stunning statistic for me.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I bet that percent will be even higher for Gen Z.
0: And,
1: and, and I think one of the things that spurs that is because there's a a kind of a a related stat that only about 30% of people feel that they belong they have a sense of belonging in their workplace, right? So put two and two together. If, if you're an employer, like you've got to find ways to create a sense of belonging in your workforce. And that's where I think inclusive leadership comes in. And that's what we focus on at Live Girl. But you know, you, as a leader today, you need to know how to build bridges to people whose lives are different than your own. You need to be able to be able to talk about talk, have brave conversations across difference. You need to be able to bring people together. And I think this is all, all kind of related in terms of building a high performing workplace, right. And, and making sure that we've got what we need to,
0: to not just bring people in, but keep them there. Yeah. Yes, for sure. And I actually, one of the things I think we learned during COVID is virtual meetings and people remote Actually, puts is a in many ways a more inclusive medium because it puts everybody kind of on a level playing field. And we used to have, you know, some people, the first class citizens in the office around a conference table being able to hear and participate and people dial in remote not being able to so it's vital that everybody gets even if you're in a conference room that you get on the screen so that you you can be seen and heard but also you can see and hear the people that are that are remote.
1: Hmm. Let us that's a great um observation and I know in your book you've definitely explored the whole theme of uh, working in a hybrid environment and many of you know Olivia and her peers are coming out yeah. into the workforce in a you know remote only environment. Um, I, I know college grads that graduated two years ago and have only worked remotely.
0: right. Um,
1: so can you just talk a little bit about some of your findings and some of your key messages around how individuals can continue to thrive in both either a hybrid or a remote environment? How do you cultivate relationships? How do you cultivate your network, for example?
0: Yeah, I think you have to be more intentional in a remote environment. So, we just, in fact, my team uh, just had a holiday party and it was put on by uh, our two new college grads. And they, you know, they, it was fun. There were ad libs, there were what's your favorite way you like to celebrate the holidays. So, doing some fun things, but also finding those moments to get together in the office where you have colleagues co-located in, you know, the same city. You've got to be intentional about coordinating that ahead of time, unless you have some sort of mandatory thing where everyone comes into the office on a Wednesday, as an example. But what I'm seeing is teams are dispersed and people have bought houses in remote areas outside of the, you know, where they previously worked. And so being intentional about opportunities to get together, or if someone's traveling to a city, you know, connecting with the people that live there, even if it's not part of their work "quote unquote" agenda. And
1: and what do you think, Helen? As a kind of a workplace futurist, where do you think it's going to go
0: from here? It's going to stay. It's going to stay remote or a combo of remote and in the office. So it's gonna stay hybrid. There's too much demand for maintaining flexibility. People um, thrived, loved that flexibility, not having to commute, but there's also a a demand for human connection. And I know in the tech sector in particular with the layoffs, Uh, Budgets, travel budgets are still reduced. I haven't had an in-person team meeting for over three years for my whole team. And so there is absolutely a pent up demand to connect in person. And so we end up anchoring some of those connections around customer executive meetings, maybe at our executive briefing center, or if people are gathering at the customer location, doing something social afterwards, as an example. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: And and do you, um, as a mother of Gen Zers, I have two college students, one in high school, and I, I worry about kind of some of the learning that they may be missing out at, you know, in the remote work environment, whether it be at the water cooler or the networking before and after a meeting or whatever. And I'm just curious your thoughts on that and what specific advice you have for these Gen Zers that are just now coming out into the job market?
0: Yeah, that is absolutely a concern. I have um, heard leaders express that concern in a number of different companies that what does the long-term future bring? So I think there has to be some kind of figuring that out. So it's um, relatively easy to pair new uh, hires with mentors or buddies. Mm-hmm. And so that, you know, is some of it, but you're right. There's the kind of hallway chatter or meeting people, maybe in the cafeteria who work in a different group and then learning, um, much more broadly about all the different job possibilities within a company. And I don't think we have that figured out, but I think we have to figure it out for long-term sustained, um, culture building, but also, um, skill building and just business knowledge savvy for people who are new to the world of work. Yeah. Well, maybe you can
1: figure that out and write your next book. (laughs) Ah, Great idea. But I love the book. Love your team book. Um, it's available on Amazon and at your local bookstore. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of great research and a lot of great learnings in that book. Um, and we could talk about this all day, yeah. but I think we should probably transition into our fun round of
0: questions.
2: Yeah. So we love to end our um, episodes by asking a couple fun questions to help our audience get to know you better. Um, I'll start with our first
0: one. Who is your favorite author? Oh, hands down, Brene Brown. She is wow. a rock star and I just uh, so insightful. I just love her. And, and my favorite is Adam Grant. And
1: recently, Brene oh Brown and Adam Grant <laughs> got together and did a podcast. Oh and like... <laughs> yes. Next question. Um, who would you like, who would you most like to have dinner with tonight? If you could be I... any, you know, living or historical or anyone. Oh. Nice
0: you know, I, I'm going to say Cheryl Sandberg. And the reason for that is. Lean In was impactful to me and my daughter. Um, My daughter read it before she entered the world of work. There's so much to do to create equality in the workforce. And she has positional power. She has the ear of many people. And we need somebody who's super strong, who has that kind of conviction, because there's a lot, a lot to do to create. Gender equality and opportunity in the workforce. The work is not over by any means. And I would just love to talk to her and figure out how we can reinvigorate a bigger movement around that because um, the work is not done.
1: Yeah, no, sure. she's provided so much thought leadership on gender equality. And I think the concept of having, you know, whether it's a lean in circle or just a, a, a networking circle, but it's such such an important um, thing to incorporate into your life because you never know when someone in that network is going to be able to pay it forward and connect
2: you to your next opportunity. So um, she's she's incredible.
0: And our last question is, what are you obsessed with right now? I am obsessed was getting better at the game of Othello. Oh. My son, <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: My son beat me at Thanksgiving, <laughs> and my objective over the Christmas holidays is to beat him. Okay,
1: the West family loves board games. We love our game. yeah. Yeah. yeah, and Othello is and always... we're
2: very competitive. Yeah. So yeah, very. We, we get that. Yeah.
1: If you ha- if you don't know Catan, that's another great family mm. game.
2: No, I don't.
1: It's a great holiday game. I don't know. What else is our favorites?
2: We like a lot of card games like Euchre. Yes.
1: And Up and Down the River. Yeah. And puzzles.
2: (laughs) I like puzzles. You give up way too much. I do give up.
1: (laughs) Well, Helen, it's so amazing. And it's such an honor to talk to a a senior woman in tech. And you've got such great ideas on how we can close that STEM gender gap and get more women there. And I hope that our listeners gain some confidence from what you have to say, because tech is not a space where you should be intimidated. Mm-hmm. And like you said, you can learn the skills. Um, and I think providing visibility to senior role models like yourself is a, yeah. is part of it too. So I'm thrilled to talk to you today.
0: Thank you so much for having
1: me. It's been a blast. And this is our last podcast episode for 2022. What an honor.
0: Ah, sweet. I am honored. Thank you. Thanks so much, Helen. So All right, take care.